Will. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge, and I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, doing well, man. Uh, it has been a while since we have had the opportunity to sit down and chat together. It's been a minute. Uh, yeah, first of all, I'd like to say uh, thank you to you and uh, Coach Barquette for uh, being able to sit down together last week and fill some space for me while I was uh, out doing the uh, old racing thing at Road America last weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, I, not to dwell on the you know past episodes as we can tend to do sometimes around here but uh just want to say that was uh pretty fantastic stuff uh you know coach barquette showed the type of uh class act and the type of professionalism that he carries with them by uh you know just being uh uh you know amicable in his uh in his ways as he departs the uh, white Sox organization you know you would think that uh somebody who was who seemingly was one of the few people <laughs> that were uh, doing their job with with some sort of uh success uh you know it, and they you get canned you think they would be a little bit uh perturbed by that but a little uh, salty seemed, maybe yeah but uh you know that interview uh it, like i said it just shows what kind of a, a class act the guy is and uh you know i i hope nothing but the best for him in his future endeavors i'm sure he is going to continue to be a great coach for someone. Uh, And it's just unfortunate that it's not going to be with the White Sox organization. So thank you for that. But uh, anywho, man, I, uh, like I said, I got to spend some time racing last weekend and uh, I don't know if we have any race fans uh, here on White Sox daily live, but I just want to toot my own horn a little bit here and say that uh, my team aptly named, uh, Team NASCAR Motorsports, named after NASCAR. the, uh, yeah, it's named after an unprinted uh, artist rendering of a garbage pail kid from back in the day. If you remember those things, uh, but yeah, we uh, we built a car based on a, you know, we themed it on a uh, a failed NASCAR concept, and uh, we came up with that name. But we went to Road America and raced in the Twenty Four Hours Lemons Racing Series, uh, first time they've been there in a decade, and. Uh, you know, we came out on top, man. 142 cars at one of the oh, most. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll explain. Okay. So, 142 cars in the field in one of the most prestigious uh, road track, road courses, racetracks in pretty much the Western Hemisphere. Um, we did not finish first in our class. Ah. We did not finish first in the race overall, but we did win the top prize. Which uh, which is considered a win. It is it is the win of all wins. Uh, we won on what is called the index of affluency. Affluency. Uh, basically, meaning we took a race car that probably should have not made it seventeen hours of being absolutely brutalized and beat on to go around this you know four plus mile track. Uh and we 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 took basically the least amount and did the most with it you know we we go we went up against cars that are built out probably got way more money than the series allowed in them mm. you know what they call cheaty cars <laughs> uh and we went out and we be, we we uh we basically bested the better part of that field 
nice. with uh congrats very little so yeah we're uh we're, we're truly excited about that and uh you know we were shocked but uh you know they enjoyed our performance we did not see it coming and we walked away with the top prize so you know i just want to brag a little bit man that's cool it was, hey. uh, it was a great time great time so nice uh, anything new and exciting in the world of Mr. Ian since we've talked last? It's been a couple weeks, bud. Nah, not really. You know, um, you know, just uh, the uh, you know, baseball's all wound down for our house now. Um, just kind of like in a holding pattern until uh, the boy starts wrestling here in a couple of weeks, and that's pretty much about it. Um, you know, um, since you since you brought up that uh, Andy Barquette interview. I got, you know, this is something I didn't, you know, obviously I don't, I, while he's, you know, while I'm talking to him, I don't want to bring this up, but after I've had time to stew on this for a while, the, the more this, this whole thing aggravates me. Yeah. It, I understand that, uh, that gets wants to put his stamp on things, but you know, I've seen improvements in the minor league system over the last few years, you know, last three years under him. And uh, in particular, you know, in specific instances, you know, of uh, plate discipline and, um, you know, things that, you know, things that, you know, he directly affected. And, <clears throat> you know, like, it was always my thought that when when you're going and you're getting your uh, coaching and all that stuff set up, that you generally want to have as many good people in the organization as you possibly can. And I, I feel that letting him go was a mistake. Um, uh, I can't agree with you more, but... I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens with, you know, whoever does get hired. Um, but it just seems kind of short-sighted to not renew his contract and not retain him. Right. Um, unless they've got something like pretty stellar up their sleeves, you know. Um, right. I don't know. Like I said, we'll see what happens. But uh, as of right now, I'm less than thrilled about it. I'll 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 say that. Um, I, I you, again, I cannot agree with you more. Uh, you know, like I said, as I started this thing, one of the few people that seemed like they were doing what they were supposed to do. Uh, you know, whether or not, you know, this is a uh, a, a Jerry Krause kind of move. You know, where he wants everything to be his. You know, Chris Getz could put his stamp on the organization by keeping the people around that are going to do the right thing as well, too. You don't necessarily have to burn it to the ground. Yeah. Uh, I think there were a lot of places that still might hold some people in them that have not been burned to the ground. So, yeah, I stew a little bit on that whole situation as well, too. You know, Coach Barquette. You know, I, I've watched some of the videos out there, little snippets of things that, you know, his hitting clinics. I know you had your boy uh, doing some work with him and his clinics and whatnot. And, you know, obviously the minor league system, as you mentioned, showed some improvement under his tutelage. Uh, and we just haven't seen it 
make its way up to the big league club yet, or at least not in, in full. Yeah. And it's just unfortunate that we're not going to get to see what his stamp on the hitting approach of this major league team is going to be. Because who knows, you know, if all the work that he has done is going to continue to be something that is taught along the way, or if somebody new is going to come in and basically tell you, you know, these, these young kids to start with an empty cup and forget all that stuff. And I'm going to teach you something different. Yeah. Um, letter enjoyer says, bring me Tim hires and the, you know, he's with the, uh, the Rangers and, um, you know, the thing is, is that's a guy who Barquette used to work with. So if you're going to bring in hires, could have kept Andy. Uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, uh, you know, like the funny thing is, is that uh, Brian Bannister, when he got hired, he's like, oh, cool. I get to work with Andy Barquette again. Not so much. Yes, not. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Tim hires, you know, obviously. Um, I mean, the Rangers are doing some things, man. Yes, they certainly are. They are hitting well. They have yeah. been hitting well most of the season. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into the playoffs in a little while, but uh, I can't say that I'm not surprised by what has been happening to the uh, the poor Astros and uh, mm. Mr. Pito. Um, so, uh, you know, I found out from Andy himself about not being uh, renewed. And this week, uh, about a week after I think about a week after we found out uh, through uh, Twitter, uh, the White Sox confirmed that uh, Daryl Boston and Castro are both, and that uh, the the one thing I found pretty interesting about the press release that was put out by the White Sox was it says that Kurt Hassler and Chris Johnson were offered uh, positions in the organization. I'm curious what that, uh, what exactly that means. Now, are we talking, um, you know, are we talking that they got something insulting, (laughs) you know, like, uh, yeah, you can do this if you want to stick around. You know, is it is it like that, or, or are we going to see them? Because the thing is, is that you don't know what positions they were offered. And uh, because the White Sox are so God, slow. God, I hope it wasn't ticket agent. Because <laughs> those ticket agents got it rough right now, man. Oh, man. Trying to Ooh. sell tickets with this with this organization right now? Good could you night. imagine, hey, could you imagine Coach Hassler trying to sell tickets? <laughs> He'd be like, F this, dude, I'm out. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what, you know, I we'll see. I mean, obviously we'll see what see what ends up, you know, if they end up sticking around number 1 and uh, you know, I will say this, if CJ doesn't stick around, um that's like a a large chunk of the biometric <laughs> you know, right arm of the White Sox uh, development system if he's gone. So um, be interesting to see, you know, what ends up happening, you know? And I know that they're talking about reshaping the thing. 
and uh, you know Chris Getz wants to get his hands on everything. And my question though is, you were there before, right? So I mean, obviously, you know, <clears throat> Barquette was not you know quote unquote his guy, um, because otherwise he'd still be here. So um, I don't know. We'll see who he brings in. And, uh, you know, with how long it takes the White Sox to uh, announce things, we'll probably find out a week, uh, you know, again, a week ahead of time on Twitter until we get confirmation that that's actually what really happened. Um, So, yeah, just kind of frustrating. Um, And obviously you have to wait for the, uh, you know, the playoffs to wrap up and everything. I don't know, you know, if they're if they're hiring Royals guys, uh, you don't have to wait. Just a little spoiler alert: um, you don't have to wait for the Royals to uh, to do their things. How's it going, Draft? Good to see you. Thanks for thanks for hopping on. Appreciate it. It's going well. That's me. Ah, <laughs> look at you. I don't know who you yeah. are. Nah, most people don't. I like it that way. Stealthy. Um, yeah. So I I don't know. Um, the whole front office thing it's just kind of kind of aggravating. Um, and uh, you know with the news that came out today, uh, which we will obviously get into in a little while, uh, Kim Eng declined her option with the Marlins and decided to, uh, she, she decided, you know what guys, uh, if you guys are going to go ahead and try and hire somebody, uh, in the development side above me, uh, I'm out. Um, so she dipped on the Marlins and, uh, she's out, uh, on the market right now. So we will see, um, you know, what ends up happening with her. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so it'll be trade rumors came out with uh, all their estimated ARB uh, dollar amounts for the guys that are arbitration eligible. So I just wanted to go through that with you um, and see who you're paying and who you're uh, shooing out the door. Um, And we'll start with one uh, right off the top, and I'm fairly certain I know what you're going to say. Clint Frazier is estimated to get a pay bump to $900,000 a year. Are you paying that arbitration number? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. No. Me either. Do I even need to go into why? I mean, I, I, I like to think that our listeners uh, are, you know, fairly familiar. At least our regulars are fairly familiar with uh, how you and I feel yeah. about uh, some of these guys and, uh, you know, there's really no reason to go into detail on why I think uh, I'm not paying him. So, I mean, I had, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I had hope that Clint Frazier would yeah. at least be semi productive. Uh, and when he came up, he did a couple of things that were nice. But as he stuck around, you saw the warts. Um, and, you know, he didn't really hit it all. You know, he did see some pitches, so that was good. But the problem is, is that when you get your pitch, you need to hit it, and he never did. Right. I mean, the fact that that guy never hit a home run with the White Sox is mind-blowing. Yeah. I mean, like, you see him in the minors, and you saw him with the Yankees, and, you know, like, that was pretty much the only thing he could do. 
And uh, he comes to the White Sox. Nothing, you know? So. Yeah, it's a shame. You know, maybe maybe he finds his uh, power stroke again somewhere else. Maybe he leaves baseball altogether. I don't really know, but it didn't work here. And uh, that's why I'm mad on him. It certainly did not. Uh, They do this whole thing by service time. So uh, Clint Frazier had uh, 4.092 years of service time. Uh, next guy up is Dylan Cease at 4.089 years of service time. And his estimated uh, arbitration uh, salary, you know, the payout or whatever, is uh, $8.8 million. I assume that you're going to pick that up? Uh, yeah. A uh, couple of reasons. One is I feel like, you know, We've seen what Dylan Cease can do, even if he was only a shell of that this past season. Uh, But he does have ace potential in him, and you kind of got to hope that uh, he returns that form where he's in the top, you know, handful of guys getting Cy Young votes. And at $8 million a year, that's a steal if you can get that. So I absolutely give him that opportunity. And, you know, there's the other fact that uh, the White Sox, have are going to end up with some holes in the rotation that need to be filled. And you, you can't expect to uh, not sign Dylan Cease and be able to go out in the free agent market or make the trades to fill an entire staff. It seems like uh, at this point. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Picking that up. Yeah. And the next one in the uh, order of service time is 4.041 years of service time. And that's Michael Kopech. Um, and his estimated is three point six million, and I assume that you're going to pick that up as well. Yeah, again, uh, low low dollars for a potentially high ceiling, but again, you know, you hope that you don't get the Michael Kopech who served up, you know, cookies all season long. Um, again, he's a guy who has in the past shown us some 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 really high potential. Uh, you just got to hope that he puts it together. Maybe this new, uh, I don't know, I, what do you want to say? The new philosophy of the mm-hmm. White Sox will yeah. uh, bring in some new energy and, uh, you know, uh, a different kind of mindset for these guys. So, yeah, uh, $3.5 million, definitely taking that. Yeah, like the, you know, like the whole thing is is that, you know, you're hoping that Brian Bannister is going to come in and work with these two guys and get them – on the level, you know, where where everybody estimated that they would be at this time, you know, and figure out exactly like what's going on with Dylan Cease and why he's not a- able to get those outs that he got in 2022, you know? Um, yeah, that, that, I, that, you know, both of these are no-brainers in my opinion. Um Absolutely. Next up on the list at 4.010 years of service time, at $1.7 million, Trace Thompson. Uh, You know, he's, what, 35? uh, 33? Somewhere in there. Uh, He's made his way through. that old. I mean, this has got to be. I think this is the fourth time he's with the team. No, third at least. Third, yeah. Um, Trace uh, Thompson hasn't. I mean, 
he did have a, a, a couple of months yeah. where he did some things for another team. Yeah, he is 32. Not Holy up. cow. Yeah, he's up there. when you're there. having fun. I, you know, and honestly, I would as much hope as we had for Trace Thompson when he was young, because we all did. We, you know, I mean, the guy had that stigma around him where he was going to be, you know, he was going to be King Dingling. Uh, he, he, for, for all that, his time has kind of come and gone. And I only hope that the White Sox has a solid core of outfield where I'm not depending on Trace Thompson to be a guy, even if he's a fourth outfielder. I'm sorry, Trace. I mean nothing against you, but uh, I don't think I'm uh, spending a million dollars plus on on Trace Thompson. No. Launch that guy into the sun. Should have never come back in that deal in the first place. Although, I will say, (laughs) uh, Nick Nestrini and Jordan Leisure for Joe Kelly and Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn gives up... A ton of home runs in the last playoff series against the Diamondbacks. Gives up, what, four home runs? And um, Dave Roberts is asleep at the wheel. Doesn't pull him after, you know, like two. Um, and uh, Much like Pedro this season. <laughs> and they Even got... Lance Lynn to die. Yeah, and they literally got zero out of Joe Kelly because he got injured again uh, within a couple of weeks of being there. So... Um, that deal looks pretty pretty good for uh, for that because you know I didn't want either one of them sticking around at this point because really what was the point you know if you get something of value for them uh, you do that and they did and uh, I'll take it um, absolutely now but again why Trace Thompson was included in that the only reason I could see is that the Dodgers are like. Yeah, we'll take those two guys. That seems like a pretty good deal, and we'll give you two prospects, but you got to take him as well because we got no place for him, and we don't want to pay him, you know, a million dollars or whatever it is that we're paying him. So probably, I, I would guess that's probably right. I mean, you know, hey, you're an organization that has some familiarity with them. Uh, here's an old friendly face. Yeah, so, you know. Yeah, and I like Joe, you know, and I like Lance Lynn, but uh, as people. Um, I don't want them on the baseball team any longer. Um, oh, and it's such a shame because when they, you know, Lance Lynn, I was kind of on the fence about when they first grabbed him up. And could, just because we knew that, you know, he was this guy who, you know, exactly what the White Sox tried to sell us on him becoming a Southsider was that, you know, he's a guy that can go out and get you 200 innings a season. And he's going to, you know, kind of be, he's not going to be your ace, but he's going to be that anchor that can go out and, and, you know, just eat innings up and keep you in games so that you can win. And unfortunately it got to the point where Lance Lynn couldn't get those 200 innings a season for the White Sox anymore. And it was just a shame. And then the same thing with Joe Kelly, you're looking at this guy. Here's the guy with all the attitude in the world, the spark that the White Sox need. I loved everything about it. Pouty face, Joe, bring him on. Let's go. Never really created that spark. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to do that when you're always injured. Um, well, right. That impingement or whatever it was in his elbow. Yeah, and you know, the thing, and like I said, I like Joe. You know, I like what he brings, but the problem is if he's never healthy, it really doesn't matter at all. Um, right. Next on the list, 3.093 years of service time, which, you know, again, one of those things where I go, where is all the time gone? Uh, 740K for Matt Foster. That one's tough uh, because we know, 
again, like some of our other pitchers, we know what he's capable of. He, you know, he can be solid, but it's uh, there's a consistency issue. Staying consistently solid. Uh, I'm a little on the fence with this one just because of the cost. And we know that, well, we don't know for sure, but it seems as though this White Sox team is probably not going to go out and spend a fortune in the offseason. We do have a handful of guys in the minors that can fill bullpen spots, so maybe get those guys sometime. But at the same time, I don't know, man. 740K for a guy who can, you know, do it. He can shove sometimes. Might be worth it. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of stuck on this one to be honest with you. I'd actually like to hear your thoughts on this one. Uh, my personal feeling on it is, if Brian Bannister doesn't think that he can be better than he has been, like markedly no. better than he has been, then right, right. I, I'm ready to launch him because we we've got you know like the one you know as we've said the one thing that the white Sox have generally been pretty decent at developing utility guys and bullpen arms right so i'm perfectly fine with moving on from matt foster and like the thing is is that i think that the white Sox did him a major disservice uh with how he was handled Um, as they have with many you know, uh, especially, uh, you know, from, uh, I don't have him on this scene. I haven't added him to this scene, so I can't, I can't do, can't do it right now, but TLR leaving him out there to die, you know, uh, at the very beginning of 2021, I believe. Um, yeah. You know, that was 21. Yeah. I mean, it was like the eighth game of the season. It was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that whole thing, it just, uh, it was, it was like in Seattle in like the fifth inning or something like that. And just let him give up like, and left him out there and let him give up eight runs. And it was like, maybe that's where the eight is stuck in my head. It was eight runs, I believe. Yeah. It it was like, (laughs) you know, I'm at, I'm at the boys baseball game and I'm listening to it on my phone while I'm watching his game and I'm just pacing <laughs> up and down the first base line, just sitting here muttering, what is he doing? Why is he still in the game? And this is after like three runs. And they had a lead. Yeah. Did. Yeah. Going into that. Right. So, you know, it was like <laughs> after that, it was just like this like uh pretty slow funneling thing where he was just he went from useful at one point to like that was the start of his season pretty much and then he just became unusable at the after that you know and uh then he ended up getting injured and uh you know and then we've pretty much never seen him again so uh i say let him walk um next on the list 3.071 years of service time tukey toussaint coming in at 1.7 million dollars um now thing was is that he's arbitration eligible but he only signed a one-year contract so i'm like i'm kind of unclear because he's coming in arbitration eligible but if he's signing a one-year you know if he only signed a one-year contract last year shouldn't that mean yeah, he's that he's basically a free agent i mean you know he doesn't have a ton of service time and uh, arbitration that's that's what it would be i guess 
Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely 100% sure what that means. But if it was one point seven million... Contract, did, that, did it come with an option here? I don't believe so. I think that it says that... Uh, you know, like that's a, the thing is that, uh, you know, if you look him up on spot track and, I, and I've done it and um, I mean, I'll look it up here right quick. Tuki Toussaint spot track. Okay, yeah, I mean, so it says ARB one, two and three coming for the next three years. So but the thing was, is that if you looked at uh, his thing, he had a one year deal. With Cleveland for seven hundred and twenty thousand, and if he's an un- unrestricted free agent, uh, I guess he's not. Un- okay, that's what it is. He's not an unrestricted free agent where he can sign and do whatever he wants until twenty twenty seven because he's still in his RB years. Okay, that makes sense, I guess. Right. Okay. But uh, one point seven million. For clarifying that. I'd say for under two million dollars, oh. you know. Yeah, I'm keeping the guy. I mean, was he was he an ace? No. But, you know, as I've said in past shows, he was one of the guys that you knew what you were getting game in and game out. He, ish. He, <laughs> ish. Ish. I mean, yeah. yeah, you know, with this White Sox starting rotation this past season, everybody had clunkers. There wasn't anybody that was, you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Immune <laughs> to... Uh, you know, giving up some runs. Yeah. But that's uh, for, sure. for the most part, you pretty much knew what you were going to get out of Tukey. Uh, and, you know, at that, at that dollar amount, again, you're, you're looking at uh, a White Sox rotation that is fairly depleted. Uh, and we've talked about this many times in the past too, you know, uh, starting rotations, you might start out with a rotation of five at the beginning of the season, but by the end of the season, most teams have had eight, nine, 10, 11 starters at some point. Uh, and this is a guy who showed that he can get through an, a, a, a full season almost and, and, you know, continue to pitch at least enough to keep you in games. So, yeah, I, I don't think that you're going to go out and spend a ton of money on free agent pitching when you have this guy who is to you for less than two million. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where I'm at. I I don't see any reason to not keep him because you know knowing what this team has in AAA and uh knowing that some of these guys can, you know, elect free agency or whatever or can, you know, go do whatever they want to do. Uh you know, you don't know necessarily uh hundred percent what you're going to have available. Like, you know, Jesse Schulten's put in a lot of quality innings for the white Sox. granted, you know, like, you know, we're not talking, you know, again, we're not talking ace stuff, um, but certainly serviceable uh, to get you through four or five innings to start a game, you know? Right. And obviously you, with uh, limited, uh, innings counts in some games where he's only going, you know, four innings. Uh, you're going to run into bullpen fatigue and uh, things like that, which is obviously less than ideal. But at the same time, you know, if you run into a situation where you guys, you know, where the White Sox only have, you know, four starters, but you've got yourself a Tukey, you've got yourself a Schultons, 
you know, you got yourself uh, those two guys. You you can do like uh, what the White Sox were doing in the minor leagues and piggyback them, you know, right? And absolutely, you know, figure out which one's going to start the game and have the the next guy take over for him. And if you you know if Tukey pitches three and Schultons pitches three or four, then you get seven innings out of him, and that you know that uh, reduces the amount of uh, bullpen fatigue you get. And right, you know, I mean, and, you know, and. It- the thing about this upcoming 2024 season that's different than the last few years is there's, you know, we have been talking about this contention window for, you know, the last three or four seasons. Uh, and where we're at right now, we know, we know that we are no longer in any kind of tend for anything, let alone a world series or, you know, going at a deep playoff run. We're not even contending for the MLB central at this point. Uh, so, I mean, you know, when you talk about guys like Tukey Toussaint and Jesse Schultons, those are the kind of guys that are going to help you bridge the gap to becoming competitive again. And for the dollar amounts that you're going to spend on guys in that, you know, uh, that level of talent, you have to just go ahead and fill those holes and fill those gaps until you can rebuild better. Because yeah. and I say that and, and I hate to sound like a political slogan. I I should take that back, but uh I, I mean rebuild better in the fact that you know we went through this rebuild, you know, over the last six or seven years. And uh I just hope that this next one is not just a bunch of smoke and mirrors like the last one was. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean there's no mistake about where we're at. Yeah, I mean, we'll get into a little bit of this stuff later, at least a little bit. Um, I can, I don't think that you can necessarily hang the way that this one went on what could possibly come of what's coming with this next situation that Wave. we've got going yeah. on. Yeah, like I feel like uh, the the drafting has been a lot better. And that you're seeing a lot more results out of some of these guys that are coming in from the last couple of draft classes. Um, I feel like the overall talent floor has gone up, despite the fact that it's not quite as you know it's not as top heavy as it used to be, right? Right. Um, you know where you had like four guys who were like top 100 guys. So at the time, it made the farm system look really good because the guys that were at the top of the farm were like those guys you know the the guys that everybody covets um i feel like things are uh you know better along this time than they were last time that said yeah there's definitely more balance uh like you said when you got those four guys and you graduate those guys the the system tanks rapidly right now with the with the balance that they have and and at all levels aside from maybe well, I guess we did graduate a couple of those guys to uh, to Charlotte here at the end of the season. But, you know, it, before, when you talk about those, you know, four or five guys that are, are the top guys in the system, they were all kind of, you know, close at the same time, right? Or within a year or two of each other. We've got just a more balanced system throughout where you've got guys who are making their way up to uh, Charlotte, and and Birmingham and you know you got the guys that are you know had just been drafted in the last year or two who are doing some things 
down in Kannapolis and uh uh well losing my mind here um winston salem winston salem yeah Yeah, thank you so you know just to have that kind of you know this is i mean i think this is kind of what rick hahn was talking about when he said uh being able to have a continued pipeline uh i just hope i think he was hoping for more out of his top prospects but you know i think we're probably in a little bit better (laughs) Well, we're in a little bit better of a situation, I guess, is what I'm saying now. Yeah, I mean, and I just hope that trend continues. You know, <laughs> maybe you know, like the thing is, is that like I, I like to think that, um, you know, I mean, more or less, like the issue is all has been health, and uh, you know, and um, from what it kind of seems, and, and it's it's a sad state of affairs for me to even mention this, but also. Uh, the desire, you know, right. Like, Absolutely. It's one of those things, you know, like where you watch the, the Diamondbacks right now, right? Um, the Diamondbacks didn't have like uh, all these guys that were touted yeah, in the time. top 100 that were supposed right. to be. I mean, they had a couple, don't get me wrong, um, but right. they didn't have like this, you know, crazy, you know, top 50, you know, four guys in the top 50 type thing, you know, and uh, those guys didn't get deals before they even played a single pitch in Major League Baseball for millions of dollars. And, you know, like they weren't anointed to be the next superpower before they did uh, before they did a thing. You know, they had to scratch and claw and they did. And I mean, they're in the National League Championship Series right now, you know, Um, I mean, they're losing five to three at the moment. But, you know, that's still more than anybody expected out of this team, you know, and uh, it's kind of one of those things where maybe the White Sox will learn to make sure that the guys that they get are a little bit have a little bit more. you know, burning, you know, competitiveness. Some boxy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know um, I mean, come on, man. Yeah. I'll get come to it in a minute, but, man. uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Did you watch that? Uh, do you happen to catch that Bryce Harper, uh, Pat McAfee interview? I have not, and I've heard, I've seen so many people tell me that I need to see that. There's a little clip flying around on Twitter that's like, 10 minutes long or whatever, but the entire interview is pretty fantastic. And, um, I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, all, all right. right. I want to, let's finish the, uh, the ARB numbers here. Uh, Garrett yeah, Crochet, three, just a, you know, hair, hair, a little, uh, a little bit over three years, uh, 900K. You're paying that 900K. Absolutely. I mean, you're not going to not pay that because you're not going to let them leave for that amount of money. There's just, there's no, no. Way. Uh, and then uh, no, Andrew you still Vaughn. need to see what you have in him. Yeah, you know, if yeah. you really haven't had that opportunity yet. Yeah, and plus, you know, if you just use him, even if you do him the disservice of leaving him as just a reliever and not even allowing him the opportunity to stretch out a little bit, um, even if you do that, you still got to keep him. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, three years on the dot, three point seven million. You know. He's league average for so, three million. For, yeah, for a little over three million. Yeah, for yeah. almost four. But I mean, under yeah, just under four. You're yeah. not gonna let. I mean, he's a 
<laughs> former first round draft pick and as at least a major league serviceable. And the thing is, is that he, you know, when his back's not hurting or his hamstrings aren't hurting, he does, you know, he he played a little bit this year. He didn't uh, sit out too much, so. Uh, his first half seemed like he was uh, going to be the guy. And, then, you know, like power numbers tapered off. So you hope that. But then God, they caught up at I the mean, end of he, the year. Right. You just <laughs> you just hope that, you know, we've been talking about this now for two seasons and we're going into the third year of Andrew Vaughn. He's got to take that next step. Yeah. So take it, man. Let's go. Like, what are Let's we waiting go. for take here? I either take that next step or you take a flying leap or one or the other. So, let's let's do something. Yeah. I'm tired of talking about it. Um All right. <laughs> uh so as I mentioned earlier, uh Kim Eng declines her option to stay with the Marlins. Um ownership. Uh so the the little backstory here is that she was brought in by Derek Jeter when he was running the Marlins. Uh, he had a falling out with the ownership group because he didn't agree with the way that they wanted to develop people. And so he left. And uh, Kim eng has been here, uh, you know, been there doing it for a few years since he dipped out. And um, so well, the all year, I think, actually, didn't Derek Jeter step down last season? No, uh, it's year? at the end of 2021. Eh, maybe she got. She got hired Either after way, she's 2020. Been there. She's been there for like three she's years. She's been there three years. Yeah. yeah and I was shocked. I think he I, left I, I, after 2021. So it's been two years that she's been there solo. Um, but. Okay. All right. So the, the, the thing that uh, thing that I heard. Uh, was that there was like a little bit of leftover, um, you know, Jeterishness, I guess, uh, with the ownership group that, you know, he, she was brought in by Jeter and, uh, they wanted to, you know, put their stamp their on hands. it, you know, yeah. and, uh, get, get rid of the, the Jeter part of it. And, um, that was like why they decided that they wanted to try and hire somebody over her. And, um, by doing so, uh, she decided, you know what, you're going to try and put somebody in charge of me after I just got the team to the playoffs. Um, yeah, I'm not doing that and I'm not going to exercise my option. So now she's out on the open market. Um, now here's the question. I've seen, uh, since this news came out this morning, um, and I tweeted about it, you know, I put it out on the account, you know, that, uh, you know, Kimming's out there and, um, you know, a little bit of sour grapes about, uh, the fact that Jerry didn't wait until, uh, that whole thing was done and over with, uh, you know, at least even until the season was over with. As you to, say, uh, let's just, can we wait till the off season to see who's out there and available before we appoint? Or anoint, I mean, guys that are already in the organization. Come on, it's, it's the White Sox Anywho. thing, right? That they that um, they want to make sure that they get the guy that they really want. So because <laughs> apparently Getz was going somewhere else, like right, <laughs> or he wanted to get like that extra couple of weeks of head start, you know, so he could do his deep dive. Um, I, I I owe it to the White Sox fans to get this thing done quickly because yeah, we don't have shut time. Up. Yeah, shut up. Um. Oh. 
Good lord. Anywho, uh, so so my question is, um, and I, I sent out uh, a couple of questions to a, 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 a you know a fellow uh, streamer slash uh, you know blog site guy for the for the Marlins, asking him how he felt, and I haven't heard back yet. Um, I just did it like a two hours ago or whatever. Um, but you know, I've seen mixed reactions from the Marlins fan base. Mostly though, um, not too thrilled that she's that she's gone after what she's done. And so my question is, is that now that Chris Getz is the one voice, as uh Jerry likes to say, um if you are going to put her in a role of, uh, you know, in charge of development, um, and uh, give her like some sort of a presidential title of some sort that would be not a demotion from what she was doing in Miami, is she somebody that the White Sox want? I mean, I would sure hope so. I mean, if you're looking for a serious answer on this question for me, I would sure I hope so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, you know, so what? W- she started her career as an intern in the White Sox organization fine. in the mid '90s. Cool. I don't remember exactly what year. Uh, so there again, you know, uh, and you and I and uh, White Sox Daily's very own Logan Hard kind of had a, a little uh, text, you know, chat thread conversation about this earlier, and you know, we all know how Jerry's loyalty runs deep and you know when you hear something like someone who has been part of the white Sox organization in the past maybe his ears are ringing a little bit i don't know but uh you know her being the first woman gm in all of the four major north american sports aside from that the history that she's made she's got a pretty damn good resume and the things that she did in Miami seasons, I mean, just look at where they were at in the postseason this year. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, with what, the 23rd or 21st overall highest payroll and the moves that she made. And she really bolstered the club with a couple of moves just in this midseason uh, trade deadline. Uh, they just seem to develop guys that half the time you've never even heard of. And they come up and they do things. You know what I mean? Uh, do they though? Well, I'm I'm not saying since they're she, superstars. Since she's been there, this is this is this is what I'm getting at. Is that I, I'm playing devil's advocate here, and I'm not saying okay. that I wouldn't want her, right? Because I. It, but the thing is, is that Chris gets unless they fire him, he is the GM. Correct. As the GM for the Marlins, let me read some of the trades that she did. She got uh, Berger for obviously for Jake Eater. Uh, Jake Eater was a fourth rounder in uh, in 2020 uh, in that abbreviated weird draft. Uh, she got um, Arias from the Twins for Pablo Lopez and. Here's another one, uh, Byron Churio, who's a guy. So the Twins did get some did get some stuff, you know, for uh, Luis Arias. Which I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm happy to not see him all the time now. I was going to say, and Arias is not one of those guys that uh, 
you know, you can't just throw them out there like, ah, they got to rise. Like, dude, yeah, no, dude's it's, done it's, some stuff. Yeah, good trade. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it was a bad trade. I'm just saying that they did give up some stuff for that. Uh, they got, um, now here's the, here's like a couple of pretty good ones. Uh, uh, they got Jesus Lizard for uh, Starling Marte, which 10 times out of 10, you do that. That's a expiring contract <laughs> at the time. Uh, and they got uh, um, Brian Dela Cruz for Yumi Garcia, which you do that also because also expiring deal. Uh, they got their closer, AJ Puck, for uh, trading uh, JJ Blade, who, you know, when he was drafted, um, he was uh, a pretty well regarded guy. And uh, in the minors, he didn't really like put up like astounding numbers. So it wasn't like a huge uh, loss per se. Um, and then they got Josh Bell for uh, Gene Segura. And here was, here was the weird one, right? This trade, they traded Gene Segura and Khalil Watson, which Khalil Watson, do you know anything about Khalil Watson? Uh, why don't you go ahead and refresh my memory? Anywho, uh, so he was when he, <laughs> when he was drafted, he was supposed to be like one of the guys in the draft, first round right. draft pick. Um, you know, and that's about what the the length of my knowledge on him. Yeah, is. yeah. I do remember uh, that he was supposed to be a guy. Good bat speed, uh, great glove, uh, fast. Um, was supposed to have a above average hit tool. Was supposed to develop into some nice power. Um, the only thing that happened was that he was a decent fielder, um, and that he had speed. Um, he didn't really produce a whole lot for the, uh, for the Marlins. Um, and he was drafted the year before, no, the, the year before, I, th- I believe, uh, no, it was in 2021. So the first year that she got there, that was their number one pick. I believe he was in 21. Yeah. First round of 2021. Okay. Didn't do anything with all these, you know, all these tools, which I'm not saying that any of this is necessarily her fault. Um, but uh, in the minor leagues, he got rung up by a first base umpire and he acted like his bat was a gun and he pointed it at the first base umpire and got, uh, got suspended for a while. Um, so, that trade for Josh Bell looks like it cost a lot, but in reality, probably saved them a pretty large headache because that guy seems like a real idiot. Um, Not to mention that Josh Bell, the second half of this season, did great. some things. Yeah, for them. absolutely. You know, I'm not disputing any of that. I'm just the the right. whole Khalil Watson thing is just kind of <laughs> right. one of those no, got, like crazy you. stories that you're like, what is wrong with this dude? Anyway, so. Um, their drafts, if you look at their top 30 up until this year, um, the last couple of drafts, um, you know how like uh, like with this draft for the White Sox, this draft for the Marlins, same thing. Um, people felt that both of those teams did really well in the draft. And so their top 30 got a nice influx of talent you know, in the top 30, I mean, you could say what you want about like where the, where the farm system's supposed to be and why these guys are infiltrating the top 30. Um, right. but their, um, their top 30, uh, from the last couple of drafts 
there's not a whole lot. Like it's like three guys from like each draft that are in the top thirty. And you look around at uh, at their numbers and the guys who are doing things. Um, it's not guys from the draft, really. You know. Okay. All right. It's it. I'm I'm just saying it's like there hasn't been like a a, a whole lot of uh, like these guys that are just like quickly scaling through the system. It hasn't been like a, a crazy ascension for any of these guys. So it's not like you know you see like any of this like crazy development by the system. You know. Okay. Yeah. And so no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean you know there, there's also. There's the international side of things. Now, this is one thing where the Marlins, you look at the White Sox and you look at the Marlins, and you couldn't have two polar opposites. Yeah, the White Sox are head and shoulders above. No, I mean, like, uh, I'm not even talking about the results, but like some of the guys that they've gotten have been really good, uh, you know, and and are in their top 30. Um, But when you look at the numbers and the difference in philosophy in how they handle the international market in 2021 to 22, you know, like how they do like that weird staggered year for the uh, international markets, but 21, 22, they signed 39 prospects, 39 now you look at the White Sox, they sign like eight. <laughs> right. You know, eight or ten. The White Sox the White Sox go for the high dollar, you know, big name. Not really. I mean, you look at well, I mean, you know, the thing well, is is true. that you know, they they'll sign like two guys that are like high dollar amount, and then they'll sign like five or six that are like kind of in the middle of the road. But then, you know, then they'll trade a million dollars away that they just don't use. You know, right. as opposed to the Marlins, where uh, twenty one, twenty two, it was thirty nine guys. In twenty two, twenty three, thirty five. Wow! And of their top thirty, uh, seven of those guys in the top thirty right now are from those two international market times. And the only reason why Byron Churio isn't in it is because he got traded. Um, and then there's a. I know that there's another guy for uh, I forget which deal it was, but there was another guy. Uh, it I can't remember which deal it is, but there's another trade that they did where they sent another guy that was in their top thirty that was also from uh, the twenty one twenty two international, international class. Yeah, so it's like you look at that and it's it's like complete night and day difference in the way that they handle this stuff, and it. Makes me wonder if you're gonna if you're gonna do uh, you know if say if Jerry goes off book here and uh, does actually hire uh, Kim Eng back, you know say he puts her in as like the vice president of baseball operations because right now they only have a director of baseball operations, so they right. put her in at VP of baseball operations and then put her in charge of the international. Uh, market just as like a just as an overseer because they they want to change the philosophy of the way that they handle it and also put her in you know charge of the farm system as a 
overall development. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if they're if they're not planning on doing it with Josh Barfield, which they might be, I don't. Again, you look at the titles that you see on the front office, like org chart. You know, when you look at their at their website, who the hell knows what actually any like what any of right. these people actually do? Because what it says they do and what they actually do, half the time is not not the same. Well, no, especially when we know what the specialties are, uh, you know, what uh, what those guys bring to the table in, you know, whether it be a past life or, you know, an earlier life or whatever. Uh, yeah, the, the title doesn't often match what they are best suited for. Yeah. And half the time, you know, it's like you look at like a, a bunch of these these. Uh, you know, a bunch of these names on this thing and the titles that they have. A lot of these people wear multiple hats. You know, Correct. they do multiple things. It might say one thing, but not only do they do one thing, but they also do another. It's exactly like uh, Chris Johnson. You know, he's the head biomechanist for the entire organization, but his title says that he's the hitting coach of Charlotte. You know? Correct. Uh, at least right. it did exactly up until he point. was, you know, up until he was in, you know, White Sox land here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean,. Well, that's what I meant by, you know, past lives, I guess. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I, I'm with you. you. You don't really know what's going on. Scenes and, you know, it, as far as the White Sox are concerned, we probably never will because, you know, obviously some of the things that have been leaked throughout, especially within the last few years, whether it comes to tech or biometrics or, you know, strength and conditioning, or we're told one thing and we don't really see, another, you know, what we're being told and, the numbers of, uh, you know, let's just say uh, advanced analytics staff and, and all these things. We Again, we don't really know what's going on there because there doesn't seem to be the information that's being leaked and whispered about. It doesn't seem to be coming to fruition in the real world. So you never know what's going on with this team. Never. It's well, it's it's insanity. Yeah, I will throw this out there, and I can I can throw this out there now because uh, Coach Barquette is no longer with the organization. Um, but watching his webinars, uh, you know, when he would have like uh, other people on who I won't mention by name because, as far as I know, I don't want to mention them by name because I don't want to single them out. But you know, like uh, it was mentioned that. All of these guys did multiple jobs and had multiple roles within the organization. Instead of them having multiple guys to do these these jobs, you have multiple jobs for one person. So you've got everything spread too thin, you know. And this is exactly right. it can become overwhelming. And I, it, it, you 100%. know, we just, uh, it, it, yeah. We talked about this with Ethan Katz <sighs> when you've we got did. ten guys. That are on the road that are that are in your pitching staff that are all having problems, and you have to you're tasked with fixing all of them, and it's just you. You know, like you can't get to every single little problem and every. And it's like once you get into the season, you're screwed because working right. on this stuff in season. And a guy reverts, yeah, a guy reverts back to it while he's on the mound, and you go out and you have a talk with him, and you're like, "Hey, you're doing this," and he's like, "Okay, cool, I'll fix it." He fixes it for one pitch, and then reverts right back to. It. I mean, it's like you can't expect bare bones staff 
to do all of the things that you are trying to accomplish. And this is the thing that, that makes me like ticked off about the, the, the Barquette thing is that when you have not enough staff and you see all the, all the things that he brought into the organization with the eye pitch and the pressure plates and, you know, developing stuff with uh, Chris Johnson and with uh, Devin DeYoung and Cam Seitzer and working with these guys on building a program instead of removing people that you know that are, you know, semi-competent at their job, at least. Yeah, why not add? Why not add to it? Why not both, you know? Well, the answer to that question is is money. <sighs> yeah, probably. All right, let's get away from this, uh, this <laughs> I mean, aggravation. You know what I'm just saying. Let's yeah, create new aggravation. Let's um, do that. So That sounds like fun. Tonight, uh, the D-backs took on the Phillies, and uh, the D-backs... Oh, have been God, I didn't know this is where you were going. You know, oh yeah. Crazy. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna create uh more more problems here. Um so um so the D backs went out and um here goes another half a pack of smokes. More or less just uh completely decimated uh the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh their pitching staff held Freddie Freeman and uh Mookie Boots to one for twenty one. Ouch. And, um, you know, just spanked them, you know? Like, they, they yeah. just look completely demoralized. Uh, you, you know, mm-hmm. you see them panning down the down the dugout, and just everybody looks sad, you know? And that's, like, you know, these guys, you know, they're all, I mean, they lost tonight, but they, they're pumped up, and they're energetic, and they're doing things, you know, that that is fun, you know. They're fun right, to absolutely. watch, and um, unlike the White Sox, the Phillies, um, they've been funner. Um, yes, they have. That Brave series was, uh, you know, personally, I'm a I'm a Bryce fan, and uh, that series was a lot of fun for me to watch, and um, so, you know, I brought this up to Nick Murawski on Twitter earlier tonight, uh, I asked him if he had watched that Pat McAfee uh, interview. And he said, oh, I only watched uh, I only watched a clip. I didn't watch the whole thing. And I said, well, I would recommend you do watch it because watching somebody that has that desire burning inside of them to play edge. baseball and how much yeah. he loves baseball – and just hearing him talk about the fan base and the city, and uh, Colson Montgomery just got hit by a pitch, and he looks like yeah, he looks like he's all right. Um, okay. Um, you you watch, you know, just like the the fire coming out of him when he's talking about this stuff and how pumped up he is and how he talks about you know the the attitude that they've got in the clubhouse for the Phillies and I have to ask the White Sox didn't even offer him a contract and he Bryce Harper himself said that they had a good meeting yeah now 
didn't even offer him a contract, went after Manny Machado, which by all accounts of everything that I've seen. Now, I know that his teammates say he's a great dude and everything, but I watched this guy play. The Dodgers didn't like him. I know that. Uh, But, you know, when he was on the Dodgers, him stepping on people's feet on purpose at first base and just pulling all this Spiking crap. guys on, on slides into second yeah. base. And, just yeah, complete just, garbage Bush League crap. And this is the guy. Oh, I'll just come straight out and say, you're just douchebag. Yeah, 100%. And douchebag. this is the guy that they decided to put all their, all their energy into signing. Meanwhile, Bryce Harper, you hear these interviews with him, and he's like, he sounds like exactly the kind of guy that you should want to be the guy in your franchise. And my thing here and dare is... dare I say, we knew at the time that Bryce Harper was going to be the better ball player. I mean, everybody I felt thought. so. Some people I, I'm didn't. I'm pretty sure most of the world, there were Some, comparisons uh, to... I mean, you know, hey, listen, like, you know. You know, when Mike Trout was doing Mike Trout things, and Mike Trout continues to do Mike Trout things when he's healthy, yeah. uh, you know, but, I mean, Mike Trout has been called the best player ever. By some folks. Yep. Best player to ever play the game of baseball. And there were comparisons right around this time. What was that? 2018, I believe. 17, 18. When that uh, that sweepstakes was going on, no? Uh, 2018, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the, right around that time, people were comparing Bryce Harper's, uh, you know, trajectory. Yeah, but some people, same- some people didn't like him, though. They said they thought he was a douchebag because they didn't like his hair or because he got into a fight with Jonathan Papelbon, who everybody knows is a notorious a-hole. He's a dick. Yeah. yeah. But, like, that was the – that like, and they're like, oh, it's too much money to pay. And now when his salary is 25 and then you look and you paid Dallas Keuchel and Larry Garcia last year, you paid those two guys $24 million to give you .1 war. And he's out there doing what he's, I mean, granted, he had the TJ last year, but I mean, you know what I'm saying? You know, like he's still, he's going and putting, you know, putting up huge He's numbers. productive every season, even when he's banged up and hurt. He's yeah. productive. He's got one MVP. He's got with the, the Phillies. thumb thing that he had going on. He's hit like 130 it. home runs with the Phillies since he signed there. Um, And, you know, he's taken them to a World Series last year. Um. It by all accounts, you know, like if they keep on playing the way they're playing right now, they're probably gonna, you know, I mean, granted, Wheeler has been out of his mind. Another guy, and the so White is Sox Bryce Harper. Sign. Yeah, no, I Bryce know. Harper. Is, I mean, how many home runs does he have in this postseason alone? I mean, this he's one? just been. Uh, like he's got his his hair is on fire. Or I think he's got four this postseason, but he's uh, he is um, he's what. Uh, two home runs away from having the all-time Phillies lead in home runs in the postseason, and he's been there for two postseason runs. <laughs> How absurd is that? He's going to, I mean, uh, you think about, like, Ryan Howard. That guy lived in the postseason for, like, five, six years. Uh, Jason Worth, who's the guy who actually does have the lead, uh, at 14, he had uh, four play, four years of playoffs, I think, something like that. And Bryce Harper's going to, you know, assuming that he hits like another 
two home runs in the postseason here. He's going to tie him in two years in the postseason. Right. You got guys like, you know, Carl Schwarber, who's been a, a, a Phillies postseason. Castellanos hero. hit f- like what? Five home runs in three games. Um, so my question is this, is if you went and you had this interview with Bryce Harper and from every interview I've ever seen about the guy, the way he talks about baseball, if that's not what the front office was looking for when you're doing this interview and meeting free agents, if that's not what you're looking for, then you've got issues and you're making the wrong decisions. Because 13 years guaranteed was too much. So we're going to offer Manny 10. Yeah, but it's still the same amount of money. And right, exactly. And and then we're not even going to guarantee. We're, we're going to offer Manny ten. We're not going to guarantee the last three, and we're going to make it. In, this is how the White Sox do do business, and I, you expect yeah. to be able to sign. Like I mean, you. Granted, I don't mind you getting creative as long as it gets the job done. But when you get too cute, with obviously. I mean, I don't think we need to even get into that nonsense. I'm not even talking about the contract. I'm just talking on a personal level. Right. If if you talk to that guy and what that guy says to you doesn't get you fired up and ready to to sign him. Absolutely. What what are you even doing here? And and what have we had in right field since Jermaine died? Yeah. I mean, you were trying to replace Tim Anderson at the time. Who was essentially kind of like moving his way up. I mean, you know, granted, what you could have, you know, I guess you could have moved him to third base and then you would have had to move Yoan back to second. I mean, it was going to create all sorts of issues. The one that wasn't going to create any issues Price was right field. field. Yeah, because it's been a gaping hole for forever and a day. Forever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's that. Um, yeah. No, I like I said, I, I'm gonna smoke in a half a pack of cigarettes. In yeah, this I just I just wanted to create uh, I just wanted to create stress. Um, so also, Thanks, uh, man. yeah, earlier today, uh, Rangers took a 2-0 lead on the Astros. Um, Rangers just looking, you know, Nathan Eovaldi looked phenomenal. Um, that team has just looked like uh, they're on a mission as well, just like. Uh, you know, the D-backs before they ran into the Phillies and, and watching the Phillies as well. You know, they just look like they are locked in. And the Astros look like they're, you know, like they, they look like they're still a good team, but they're just, they they find themselves always chasing. You know? And it's been tough. They haven't gotten, they haven't been able to get back up over that hump. You know, they've gotten close, but still still no dice, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you just brought up another name when you brought up Yovaldi, uh, that just a few short years ago I was a name that uh, I would not have minded seeing in uh, black and white pinstripes. But I digress. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? You know, um, it's kind of one of those things where you know, like when we look at stuff and we're like, that guy seems like a no-brainer. And we generally end up like I'd say like if we were um, if we were one of those uh, one of those one eight hundred betting numbers that those guys that do those uh, those ads that are on the radio, I'd say that our odds are pretty stinking good, you know, and that that we have a pretty good winning percentage on this stuff. And it seems like no matter what, the White Sox always managed, you know, up to this, you know, like. 
the last 10 years, whenever it comes to pro player acquisitions, seems like they have a very bad win percentage on this stuff. Well, it doesn't seem like yeah, they do have a bad. Well, they're, they're the best at being losers. Hmm. Maybe not the best, but you know, they're upper echelon at being losers. I need to get that mm. uh, karate kid song going. You're the best. You're the best. Around. Around. All right. Um, All right. Sorry, so, guys. We won't do that again. Yeah. Moving <laughs> and moving to the AFL. Uh, just uh, move through this pretty quickly. Um, so Colson Montgomery started off slow his first week. Uh, I think it took him 12 at bats to get his first single. Um, and he had a couple more singles. Uh, Struck out quite a bit, was having a, didn't seem like he was, uh, just seemed like he was a little bit off. Well, he has since then righted the ship. Uh, tonight he's, uh, I think he's 0 for 2 with a fly out and a ground out, but then he just got hit by a pitch. Um, but in the last couple of games, he had three home runs. He had uh, a home run, his first home run, which he also hit a triple that night, and then he hit two home runs the next day. Um, he went from like a one, uh, like a eighty, like a oh eighty five batting average up to a two fifty before today's game, and uh, something like a six hundred or eight hundred and six OPS uh, in just a couple of games catching all that stuff up. Seems a lot more comfortable. Um, it's pretty okay, eight oh six. Yeah, I mean it's not bad. I mean especially after the way he started, you know, it took him a took him a little bit to to get it, but it seems like he's starting to catch up. And uh, that's good. Um, Jacob Burke uh, is one be- one hit behind Montgomery and tied with Ramos with eight hits. Uh, he has one home run and a double, uh, six singles. Uh, it's Throwing looked, some leather. Looked fantastic defensively. Um, yeah. And uh, he's uh, 222 with a 697 OPS. It's okay. Um, Ram- oh, uh, let's see. Uh, Ramos. He started off a little bit faster than the other guys, um, had a couple of doubles, and uh, he's tied with hits with uh, with Jacob Burke, uh, eight hits. He's hitting two, 200 with a 488 OPS because he keeps on hitting all these singles. And his defenses look pretty good. Uh, he made one one, one throwing error. Um, but other than that, he's been pretty decent. Uh, as far as the, the pitching goes, uh, Eater... Uh, up in, before tonight, he had a .67 whip uh, through six innings. Um, tonight, uh, he had uh, he was is that and, good? That's yeah, it good, seems man. like it's pretty decent. Uh, but <laughs> if you look at uh, tonight, he had some walk issues in the first inning, um, oh. which obviously I haven't been able to focus on it because I've been talking to you um, and our well, thank uh, you fine viewers and listeners. But uh, he had some walk issues. But if you look on the game day and you look at the strike zones, it's ugly, man. There's like all sorts of uh, green, which is the the uh, color for a non-strike, uh, all in the strike zone. Um, so that's very handy. Um, and the pitches all did look close from you know what I was glancing out of the corner of my eye here. So what you're um, saying is he might have got squeezed a little. It's bit. happened a couple of times. It's happened to. Uh, it's happened to Yosimar Cousin, um, who hasn't really been that bad. His ERA is not not, not very good. I think it's like a six uh, through like five point two innings. But there have been some defensive uh, miscues that have cost him 
innings, uh, you know, continuance of innings, which has really hurt his uh, his pitch counts and his obviously his run total. Um, so that that that's been like what's been kind of getting him in trouble is that um, I know Hickey, the the catcher for the Red Sox, that's uh, on the Desert Dogs. Um, he's got like five throwing errors and uh, a bunch of pass balls. Um, so he's not helping things out uh, at mm. all. <laughs> um, and he's also not ha- helping with the bat, which is supposed to be his calling card, and he's hitting like 100. So um, that's yeah, not just, good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the Arizona Fall League, and, you know, I you know, you can't long season for some of these guys, and some of them are, you know, whatever, uh, just, uh, you know, returning from injuries and whatever and, you know, getting some extra work in and whatever. Um, but, uh, moving on there. Uh, so Jordan leisure. Oh, sorry. Jordan leisure is the one with the 0.67 whip. That's what that is. There Uh, you go. Eater had like a 1.7 whip or something like that, which it's because of the walks, which, like I said, he's been getting screwed uh, from these umpires. Um, but uh, Jordan Leisure, 0.67 whip. Uh, he had a three ERA because I think he gave up a, a solo shot in one inning, and he's pitched uh, three innings, I believe. Um, uh, Frazier Ellard, uh, the destructor of rosin bags, um, he's looked pretty decent. Uh, there's been a couple of walks. There's been a – I think he had one inning where he gave up like three runs, and that's why his – his uh, ERA is like something like a nine or something like that. And Addison, Coffee, that, he's walked a lot of guys. So his whip is like two something and is, uh, he's given up a couple home runs. So his ERA is like a 27. Um, Ouch. Yeah. I'm not sure what's going on there. There might be like some, there, there's something that's not quite right there. Um, he did have, uh, he gave up a solo shot in his last uh, outing and uh but he struck out two in that inning so uh he looked better uh you know at least from what i can see from uh game day and whatever uh because they did not stream that game so yeah mm. yeah don't you love that uh that's about all i've got for this week uh you got anything else no, I think that about covers it you know like i said earlier in the show i just kind of want to rehash we know what we're kind of getting ourselves into for this next season yep uh so my only hope now is that the off season brings us news that the again you know i hate to say it but the direction of the organization needs to make a turn and that's all i'm really hoping for at this point because we know we are not going to be competitive for any kind of deep postseason run so this year's focus coming up is going to be Let's just see what we can get out of this new direction that they want to take and this new staff that they're bringing in from top to bottom, whether it's front office or coaching or whatever, because right now I'm not feeling great. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate Some it. Of the, so, by the way, uh, we did, we, I don't know if we, we mentioned it tonight. Uh, we didn't mention it tonight, but a lot of those hires that we've been hearing about, whispers, most of them have been confirmed. So as of late. Yeah. I mean, that's a, but that's the thing is like, you know, what else? 
you know, because if, right. you know, you let Andy Burkett leave, you're replacing him with, and, you know, I mean, it all depends. Like, are you taking him from a good organization? I hope so. You know, I, that that's the thing is that we'll see once the season ends. I got to see who who they're bringing in. It's just, oh, we're just going to be the Royals East. Yeah. Well, like I said, if they, if they're going to hire Royals guys, what are you waiting for? They're not doing anything. They don't have to wait. They're just hanging out. They're doing the same thing we're doing. You know, they're probably sitting here watching podcasts and streams. You know. Well, maybe that's a uh, maybe that's a sign that they are going to for the rest of these additions. <sighs> uh, they're going to wait for the postseason to finish up and see who's available. But I mean, goodness gracious, the amount of change and turnover that's happened over the last few weeks. I mean, it feels like there has just been a full on influx of new blood in the system. And we haven't even finished the baseball season that we are currently in. We don't know who's going to be out there and who's going to be available. Unfortunately, I know Pedro is going to be there. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have decided that I am, you know, the last about last month and a half made me decide that I'm not a pedophile. So, yeah. Um. Anywho, yeah, uh, with you. Uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter, uh, WhiteSoxDaily.substack.com. You can find uh, written material. You can find these podcasts. Um, you can find this stream on uh, YouTube's. Uh, it'll be available shortly. Uh, the podcast is available anywhere where you get your podcasts. Uh, my name is Ian Eskridge, at I Eskridge on Twitter. Uh, my co-host, uh, that guy, uh, at uh, Danny Miller, WSD. Uh, Danny Miller, until next week, we will catch you guys. Uh, see you guys next week. Thanks for coming in and hanging out. Thanks for uh, hopping in the chat. Thanks for uh, watching and listening. And yeah, uh, Thanks for just sticking around through this dismal, oof. abysmal this season uh white Sox season and now off season hopefully you know. hopefully some fun's coming but uh we'll see it's a grind for all of us whether you're a podcaster blogger or just a reader and listen if you're so just we a appreciate fan you guys. it's brutal so all right yeah. you guys have a great thanks night and here. we will catch you guys next week thanks have a great night all right bye